Uh, so we're going to be talking about discipleship. We've got, um, as, as Blake mentioned, we've been in Ephesians for a while. We took a break from Ephesians and did a whole uh, few weeks, several weeks, uh, where we talked about the five solas. So if you haven't heard those or if you missed one of those weeks, uh, thanks to Greg, uh, we have those on SoundCloud. So you can go to our SoundCloud page, which is just soundcloud.com forward slash Redemption Hill, and pick up all the weeks that you may have missed. So go online and do that. Uh, if you want to go listen to some older stuff, we've got stuff from over a year ago that you can go back and listen to. So it's all there on SoundCloud. Um, we are going to be in for the next couple of weeks uh, talking about discipleship and what it means when we say that this is a lifelong process of following Jesus. Um, after that, our plan is to get into Advent season. So from there, we're, we're just going to be in a little bit of a hiatus with, of Ephesians, but it's not going anywhere, right? We know exactly where to pick up and where we left off, so we'll be back in Ephesians probably around the first part of the year. But please, uh, if the only reason you were coming here was for Ephesians, stick around. We would love for you to listen to the rest of what we have to, to teach and I'm sure that's not the case, but anyways, um, say that in jest. Uh, this first week when we're talking about discipleship, you know, I wanted to look at how we can break this up into, into uh, two lessons, two ways that we can go to God's Word and understand what discipleship means. And this first week, I want us to focus on what is a disciple, and really, who are we following, and how do we practice discipleship? So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Into the next week, we're going to look at what does it mean to make disciples? So in that process, that, um, that invitation that we get into the Great Commission and to go into the world and make disciples, we'll talk about that more next week. But, but I think it's, it's primary, it's, it's important for us to understand, first, what does it mean when we say disciple, and then who really are we disciples of? Because that is critically important before we go out and, and be involved in that great commission of making disciples. We need to be rooted in an understanding of what it means to be a disciple first and who we're a disciple of. So our text for this week, pardon me, our text for this week is going to be John 15, verses 1 through 5. So if you want to open uh, your Bibles there, you have some black hardbound copies that are underneath some of the seats in front of you nearby. There's one up here. There's a couple around there, too. So if you need one, just feel free to move, get up, grab one of those. If you don't have a Bible, take one of those home with you. That is our gift to you. Like, no questions asked, no charges apply. Just take one of those uh, Bibles home with you. So we're going to be in, uh, in John 15, verses 1 through 5. And in case uh, you don't have it there on your phone or a Bible there in front of you, I'll read our text. And some little bit of liturgy that we do here at Redemption Hill uh, that you can practice in is after the reading of our text, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you can say, thanks be to God. Sound good? All right. So here we go. John 15, verses 1 through 5. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so let's take a look here. It says um, so much about what it means to be, to be proving to be one of, of Jesus' disciples. These are Jesus' words that we're reading from uh, John here. So if you have the scripture in front of you, it's going to be in the red text. That's how you know Jesus is talking. Um, I think we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions before we, we really dig into this text and, and, um, and understand what it means to be a disciple. We have, to know, we have to answer the question, who am I a disciple of? Who am I a disciple of? And to answer that, we need to know who we're a disciple of and why. And then what does being a disciple look like? And to answer that, we have to know who we are and whose we are. Who we are and whose we are. So, this who am I a disciple of? Before we get there, let's understand what disciple means. So disciple, it's a bit of a strange word. It, it really just means learner or follower. And more accurately, it means learner and follower. And so when we talk about learning, we think about what it means to be a learner and a follower. We, we got to think about these different ways that we learn and we follow, right? And there's you know, a few different ways that people learn. I, you probably figured that out when you were in school and grade school, how you learn best, right? Some people learn best. Uh, you can learn by all these different avenues, right? So it's not just one or the other. It's really a combination of all these things, but you learn by, by watching, by listening, by reading or writing, and by doing. So by watching, by listening, by reading or writing and doing. And I see some of the teachers in the, in, out there, they're shaking their heads. They, they know this because of their, because of their students. Uh, and when they teach in the school, they know that some of their students pick up on, on learning and following in that way, in those different ways. And you may be identifying with some of those this morning. But see, there's an activity to learning. There's an activity to learning. And it doesn't simply happen by osmosis or with no effort at all. Right? Did anyone else feel that way about math when they were in school? Like they really wish it just happened without any effort at all because there was one subject, right? Everyone had that one subject that you just wish, if this could just happen, like I can't get this, I don't understand this, I wish it would just happen. Well, that's not how learning happens. When you have to go and, and commit something to memory, have, a, have an understanding of what a concept and, the, and how to apply that, you have to be... You have to have a certain method of doing that, right? You, you can't, it won't just come automatically on its own. There are these ways that we learn, and we learn by watching, by doing, by reading, by writing. All these different ways are ways that we understand, are ways that we start to comprehend information, knowledge, and understanding. And those are the same tools by which we are disciples, by which we are worshipers. And then we have to ask ourselves, well, who are we disciples of? We're disciples of Jesus. As believers, those who have been given this amazing gift of faith in Christ, we are disciples of our Lord Jesus. And we have to remember who Jesus is. Because Jesus isn't 
just a wise teacher. He's not, as the song would say, just all right with me, right? We need to have a right understanding of who Jesus is to understand what it means when we worship him and are disciples of his. So who did Jesus say he was? In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17, says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the only one who can make it possible for us to stand before God and have this reconciled relationship with Him. He can make it possible for us to stand before God as if we have never sinned. And we call that, God's Word calls that, justification, just as if I had never sinned. That's who we are disciples of, church. That's a picture of the Jesus that we worship. In Luke 3, verses, uh, verse 16, it says, Only the blood of Christ and the renewal of the, of the Holy Spirit can cleanse us from sin. And that was what we learned this morning in our catechism, right? That there's only one person, only one person's blood, only one Savior who could save us from sin, who can reconcile us with the Father, and that person is the Son of God. It's Jesus. So when we start to look at being disciples, it's, it's critical, it's important for us to first understand who we are disciples of, because that informs everything else that we're going to talk about today and next week and how we live out being disciples on a daily basis. So as disciples, can we agree, church, that we worship Jesus? Can we agree on that? Okay, amen, good. A disciple is someone who worships Jesus by becoming increasingly obedient to him in every area of life. And as believers, we are learning from and following him. We are learning from and following him. And I'll give you a little peek into next week as we talk about making disciples, what it means to be involved with the Great Commission. We'll say this again then, but just to remind you now, as we're making disciples, we're not making disciples of us, are we? No. We're, we are becoming disciples of Jesus. That is who we are becoming a disciple of. We are disciples of his and not of anyone else. And so you could ask yourself this morning, you could say, Brian, but I believe in Jesus. I believe in him, so what really do I need to know? Isn't that enough? Isn't it enough just to believe in him? And I would just ask for what? Enough, enough for what? Enough to, to get your ticket punched to heaven? Enough to make your life easier? Before I go any further, let me say that there's nothing more that you can do or could do 
to earn your way into heaven. No amount of Bible reading, church attending, or people serving. So when we talk about being disciples and learning and following, we need to understand that our motivation in being a disciple is response-oriented. It's response-oriented. We worship a God, our God, as a response to the truth that's been revealed to us through faith. But the faith that leads us every day to that truth that we have a Savior and we need more of Him. So I don't want us to get caught up this morning thinking of these tasks that we do then make us a disciple. That these, this, these activities, these watching, learning, reading, these things make us a disciple. It's this amazing gift of faith that's been given to us to even call upon Jesus as Lord and worship him that makes us a disciple. Okay, so let's not lose track of that this morning. But we've got to be reminded, too, that following Jesus is not a one-time event. All right, this is a daily thing, following Jesus. And you know, the part, if that language has crept into our Christian vernacular, you know, when did you start following Jesus? And we put that as a single date. I mean, there was certainly a date, a moment of surrender that you had to this awesome gift of faith given to you by God, where you came to realize that you went from, as Blake also mentioned, we were back in Ephesians, where you went from this spiritual death to spiritual life. Right? There was that moment of surrender where you that gift of faith, you realized it was given to you. And so there, there was that moment. I don't want to take away from, from that. But that's not where our experience as disciples ends. There is a constant, there is a daily becoming like Jesus, becoming a disciple of his. And this phrase that we have in our Christian vernacular, this being born again, um, as trite as it may sound, it's, it's fairly accurate, but it may even be more like being born alive. That may be the better way of saying it, that we had a moment we were being born alive. Because as we just mentioned, we're, we're born into this body. This body is physically alive, but we're born spiritually dead. Yeah, we're still born. And so there is this moment where we receive this spiritual life. And we go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. For those of you guys who have seen The Matrix, it's not like you're being plugged in and you immediately know Kung Fu, right? You guys remember that moment when Keanu Reeves was plugged into this machine and he's like... I knew Kung Fu. Like, there's, there's that moment that we think of like when we move from this spiritual death to spiritual life that we instantly, like, we don't get all of the answers. We don't get all of, all, all of our spiritual maturity all at one time. That this, is, this is a lifelong process of following Jesus. It's a lifelong process of following him and learning from him understanding who he is, being reminded of who we are, it goes on for a lifetime. And let me just say, church, like, 
Don't get frustrated with that. Rest in that. Rest in the fact that we have a lifetime of getting to know him. And, 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 and I venture to say that we don't have near enough years in our life, our capable physical body, to really know everything about Jesus. And then if we, even if we did, having the mental capacity to understand all there is about Jesus would be limiting. This should put us in a place where we feel humbled, most of all. So this is a, this is a lifelong process. When we encounter Jesus' words in Luke 9, in verse 23, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself daily and follow, excuse me, deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so you look at that, what Jesus is telling us there about taking up our cross, and, and you think about what it means to take up our cross, we're taking up an instrument of death. Like, that's, that's the kind of picture that we get from that. And there is this process of understanding who we are in this new spiritual life. That we still have this, this sinful, mortal flesh that we're in, this residue, I guess, of, of this uh, life prior to the, this gift of faith, this amazing gift of faith. And so there is an, an understanding that we go through in a lifelong process of understanding what it means to really be a follower of Jesus. It's a daily activity. When we imbibe, abide in him and he in us, what we're really doing there is we're taking our true identity from Christ. We even sang about that this morning, that our true identity is in him. You see, he is who we are, and that informs what we do. We belong to him, and we are his. So then we're left with answering this question of how do we then practice discipleship. Now that we have a, a solid understanding of who Jesus is, what it means to be a disciple, follower, or learner, and then where we, we draw our identity from, and who we draw our identity from, we have to understand then what it means to practice discipleship. So discipleship is not a single activity, right? It's not being, you're not a disciple by watching, listening, reading, writing, or doing singularly or alone in those things. You see, it's, it's not just coming to the gathering on Sunday morning. It's not signing a membership covenant and it's not faithfully giving to the church. See, it's not, it's not solely those things, but it's no less than those things either. All those things are part of this obedience that we have in be becoming a disciple and being a disciple of Jesus. All those are responsibilities. All those are responses. But I'll tell you one thing that, that discipleship isn't, church. It's not becoming a member of a club. All right, Because in a club, you pay your dues and you enjoy the benefits of that club. There's this exchange of, of benefits. I do this, you give me this. 
And in a club, we have, we have a common commodity instead of a common identity. So when we think about ourselves as being disciples and, and us being involved in, in church as the church, it's improper to think of that as, as a club mentality. But this, is, this, this faith, this larger faith, this one faith that we are a part of is not built on a commodity, but it's built on an identity, one that we find only in Jesus. You see, instead of being a club, we're really a family. A family that works together, a family that cries together, a family that plays together, a family that loves one another, and a family that occasionally even disappoints each other. But then it's a family that reconciles with each other too. This being a family, as you know from your own families, it's not easy. Right? And there are, at times, strained relationships and even, at times, moments where you disappoint your brother or sister or they disappoint you. But we're committed to, as a family, to each other. You see, real discipleship is going to happen as we speak the truth in love to each other, to confess, to repent, and reconcile. And we do all of that for the glory of God. We are a family with one identity, with that being in Christ. We are a family of believers who are committed to being worshipers, disciples of Christ. And so how does that play out? We talked about these four different ways that we, that we learn, right? Well, let's look at the first in that we watch. And it's often said that most of what is taught is caught. Right? Most of what is taught is caught. That's really just being around people and, and watching them and, and learning from them as you're with them. And it says here in John 13, verses 34 through 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, our lives, submitted to Christ, seen through the love for one another, becomes an ongoing apologetic for ourselves and for outsiders. It's actually a picture of the gospel at work. Let that sit in for a little while, church, that our lives, submitted to Christ, seen through our love for one another, is an ongoing apologetic for ourselves and for outsiders. It's a picture of the gospel at work. And when we, when we read these words from Scripture, when it says that we are known as disciples by the love that we share for one another, it causes us to be with one another. Right? You can't show love for one another if you're not with one another. Can I get an amen? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, and some of that is, like, it's just going to be messy at times. It's going to mean that you have to... Um, Give up parts of your schedule to be with one another, to commit to one another, to really love one another. 
And for those of you who have, um, have families, anybody, anybody have a family in here? Re- yeah, okay, we all have families. We know that those, at times, you know, just being around one another, it's not always easy. It's, there you go. I heard some amens on that. It's not always easy. But it's what we do. It's who we are as family. We are committed to one another. And by our identity being rooted in Christ, then that informs how we interact with one another. That when we disappoint each other, we forgive because Christ forgave us. Like we're informed by that. That we have, we have no other response but that, right? To, um, to just love one another through those things. That's our response. And so we watch, and then we listen. And in Romans 10, verse 17, God's word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And we listen on Sunday mornings to the proclamation of God's word, and we listen to each other as we point each other back to Christ daily, weekly, monthly, in the rhythms of our lives. And at Redemption Hill, we do that through missional communities. We do that through meetings of groups of two or three within the church that we've called DNA groups. We do that through lots of, of different ways. Where we listen to God's word and then we listen to each other preaching and teaching God's word into our lives. That there is a process and discipleship that's just listening to God's word. And then reading. You see, we stress here at Redemption Hill that we would read God's word on a daily basis. We have made um, reading plans available back at the Resource Center. Uh, we encourage you guys to be in God's word on a regular daily basis. And we encourage you to do that for, for yourselves, but also for each other, because we can, we can point each other back to God's word as we are in God's word. Right? So we... We encourage that. We, we stress that importance of being of reading. And in looking at how people learn in this reading and writing process, it's important that if that's the way that you learn and write God's word on your heart is through writing God's word, then do that. I see some heads nodding out there that that's a way that people remember scripture or that do their Bible reading. They're actually writing God's word out that is an effective tool as well. So you can do those things with and for each other and for yourselves. Being in God's word, writing those, writing God's word down, and even effectively writing God's word on your heart through memorizing his word. And then there's another activity, and that's by, that's by doing. There's an activity in discipleship. And next week, we'll talk a little bit more about what it means to have that activity in discipleship, what it means to make disciples and being involved in the Great Commission. But what do we do as disciples? Well, we walk with Jesus. We work where he's working. We see how he's doing it through his word and through his people. You see, Christ did all the work that really needs to be done. 
And as we learned this morning, as we read from John 15, we are grafted into him as branches of this vine. His perfect work covers our feeble attempts. We are not judged on how good of disciples we are, but rather we are welcome to come along the journey with him. See, Jesus promised in the Great Commission to go with us, to be with us, even to the end of the age. In church, we need to commit ourselves to be disciples of Jesus. Because as those who have been given this gift of faith, whether you understand it, realize it, remember it or not, that's what we are. We are worshipers of him. And we are his. And it's from him that we draw our identity. We commit ourselves to live gospel-centered and oriented lives, making decisions that are intentionally influenced by Christ and his gospel and his way. And one of the ways that we express that here at Redemption Hill is to say that we believe that the gospel forms a community that lives on mission. And we've said this before as well, that the gospel forming a community, that our common unity is Christ. And before we can go on mission to be a part of this great commission like, we talked, like we're going to talk about more next week, we have to go all the way back to that first word in the mission statement, if you will, for, for what, how we describe this ministry, that it is first the gospel that informs us, that creates this community that we are placed into. This gospel that informs us, that teaches us who Jesus is, what he's done for us, who he is for us, and where and how we draw our identity in him. And church, getting that, grasping that, applying that, is what we do in community with each other. That's why community is so important to us here, why we stress it over and over and over and over again, because it's in those everyday moments where we get to practice discipleship with each other. And we get to disciple one another and practicing that. It's critically important to us, church, that this environment that we have on Sunday morning is... It's a form of discipleship, but it should not be our only form of what it means to be a disciple. This worship service where we come together each week um, is important. And it has, it has significant meaning to us in our faith. And coming and hearing God's word, being submitted to it, participating in the uh, uh, the Lord's Supper, being around each other. And, and these things are important, but this is not where discipleship ends. This is not the only means of discipleship. That We have to be committed as a church to, be, to enter into being a disciple on a regular, everyday basis. And it comes from those ways that we, we've learned this morning, by reading God's word, by writing it on our hearts, by watching Christ working through 
all of our lives by being, and we see that in community with each other. And by following him and, do, and going where he goes and where he is working. That's what it means for us to be Disciples Church. So I'm glad we have this foundational like, understanding of what it means to be a disciple. Next week, as I mentioned, we're going to go into what it means more and more for us to, to practice that through the Great Commission and that work that Jesus involves us in, uh, the work that he's doing, that he involves us to be a part of. Church, my prayer for you this morning and through all of our days is that we would um, be committed to growing in our faith. Be committed to not staying stagnant as a, as a spiritual child, but in reading his word and being committed to community with each other and in worshiping him on an everyday basis. Would you guys stand with me this morning as we pray? I'm going to ask our worship team to come up this morning and take their instruments again. This even, as we move into this next time, is an act of worship too, right? Like we, we call the songs that we sing uh, worship songs, but our, our lives are meant to be lived out as worship. Everything that we do is a worshipful act. And in this time, in this moment, we're worshiping with our voices, with our hearts, with our hands lifted high, if that's something you're comfortable in doing, that our, our worship now becomes expressed through song. And let's look at, at the words that are written in these songs. As I've said before, too, these are not songs that we just pick because they sound good, but they're songs that have deep spiritual application for our lives and understanding of, it gives us a great understanding of who this God is that we serve. So, Father, I just pray as we come to this time for worship, Lord, that we would, uh, we would enter into it completely and fully. Lord, we, we commit ourselves to being a disciple of your son, Jesus. We commit ourselves to daily learning and following him. Lord, help us to understand what that means. Help us to, to know more about you through your word, through the relationships that we have with each other as you present yourself through your Holy Spirit, through these brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we, we thank you for making us a family a family that is committed to these things. Father, whatever we came into this place with this morning, let us uh, place it at the foot of the cross. Whatever pain, hurting that, that came through the doors this morning, Lord, let us remember who we are in you, let us remember who you say we are through your word. And Lord, let us receive 
in that and from that. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.